Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish or Blue Sky or Instagram or whatever your social needs are. I am there for you. Uh, you can also get to me on Blue Sky as well at Braden Gall. Uh, Joe Rexroad is our guest, host of one half of Robbie and Rexroad, works for The Athletic as well, covers all, thing Nash- all things Nashville sports. Joe, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Good to see you. Happy holidays, sir. How are you? Thanks for having me. Same to you guys. I'm doing fine. Should I get on Blue Sky? I, I, I haven't. I've looked at this, but I haven't done anything. Should I get I, on there? It's old Twitter. It's old Twitter. Yeah, it's old, it's old yeah. Twitter. Although, if you it's care like Twitter about without all the BS, yes, yes, it's very much old Twitter. And now, it, now it has like two million people on it right now. So it's not, you know, not, you're not. It's not going to be like the same level of engagement. It's but 2010 it's also, Twitter. It's yes, also, it's, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's also, like a lot less bullshit. So yeah, okay, yes, all right. Uh, and it's where I post all my like non sports takes. So if you care about those. Uh, which many of you obviously do. You're and clamoring. I know you have some. You have some. All of the takes. <laughs> I just, All you know, I, Blue Sky is for my Nashville uh, political news junkies and Twitter is for everyone else. Uh, so, Joe, uh, we got a lot to discuss with you today. We do appreciate your time, obviously. Um, I will, I'm will. i going to put you to work right away, though, and see if you can do this unprompted and without any guidance. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by... Um. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it too. Uh oh, stop, stop, stop. You love not it so Jillian's, much. Not Jillian's. Um, oh my gosh, I've eaten there like freaking 12 times. It's it's now we gotta oh leave my it all. God. When I gotta leave it, it all in. Go, I gotta leave it all in. <laughs> I, I, I love the like they have a crab uh uh appetizer that I love there. I like right, right? I'm unsure. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I've, had, I've had like half their sandwiches. Um it's a woman's name. Oh, nope. <laughs> nope. No, <laughs> no, it's a woman's dog's name. It's a woman's dog's name. But now we're going to leave all of this in. <laughs> now I, you got to tell me. Lame well, they, obviously, they, they promote the show, so we're going to yeah. have to tell you. <laughs> like in, immediately. Is a, it was Lame Stream is a me. podcast brought to you by Jaspers. 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 Yeah, I don't know why I thought yeah. that was. I mean, it could be a, it could be a, a, anyone's name, I suppose. Yeah, I love Jaspers. I really do. I genuinely love Jaspers, and I feel so bad about this. I'm sorry. It's okay. How bad? Great, They're good great. sports. The quarter zips at Jaspers will really appreciate this. <laughs> great, great parking. Yeah, yeah it's part of town. Free parking. Free. It's come on. Free. Who gets right. less free parking? Nobody. All right. Thanks for coming on with us, Joe. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you uh, next year. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Do appreciate it. All right. First question. How has Mike Vrabel evolved as a communicator with the media since his first year on the job? Hmm. Deep sigh. Uh, I think he's changed some. I, I think he's a little more willing to... You know, it's interesting because in some ways it's it it has devolved because one thing he used to do was after the pressers, he would then go kind of sidebar just for the writers and we'd kind of stand around him. And I mean, that, that was a you know an opportunity to just ask a little bit off topic if you're working on something longer or whatever, 
kind of get him on that and he could, and he would, and there are times in those sessions, it would be better. It would be more relaxed on that stuff than it. I don't remember when they got rid of that. I don't think they did it all. They definitely, maybe COVID killed it. Maybe, maybe that's the thing. You know, you ask me these questions and my concept of time is so jumbled, uh, but oh. I, it, maybe, maybe it was that COVID killed it, but that though. So in that way, he was better than now. We don't have that. I will say at press conferences, he's gotten a little bit better about elaborating on some things. Um, he's more relaxed, obviously. Like if you go back to the first year, it was like he'd have these random flare-ups about like the lighting or something. You know, remember like early in his tenure, he's like, "What's going on with this guy?" Right. <laughs> so he, but for the most part, it, it, it's not that different. He kind of has his his rules. He's always had the hard line. I'm not talking about an injury. I'm not going to say, and, and I've asked him about that, like away from it. Like, why is that so important to you? And, you know, as a player, like you put a timeline on something for somebody and then it, you're actually more hurt or whatever. And then fans get pissed. And like, I get it. I mean, he, he, he thinks in terms of like, how am I going to make this as painless as possible for my players? He took away access to the locker room during the spring, which pissed us all off. And I, I think it's a mistake. I think the Titans should do whatever they can for as much access as possible. But at the same time, if you compare them to any other sports outlet i would say probably in the state just because of the nfl's rules they're still the most open team right the most easy to cover team but he hasn't changed a ton and he the what's interesting now is if we just go through this season he i think he peaked in terms of prickliness a couple weeks ago because obviously he hates losing and so then he hates the questions and he gets pissed off about that. i mean you know the, I, i'm sure you guys saw the press conference where he started coming off i'm like what are you doing? And he's like, what are you doing with your hands? You know, I mean, like, you know, he was, <laughs> he was maxing out on, on prickliness. I, I think what we're seeing now is a little bit of like the Titans resigning themselves to being crappy. And actually I think he's been almost overboard. Nice lately. Yeah. I, I, like, nah, I mean, again, for him, but he's like <laughs> really being patient and trying to answer everything. Cause you know, it's three and six and it might be, five and 12 before it's all done. So I do see that a little bit. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but that's kind of how it feels. Well, first of all, it's not as if we have any evidence on the show already of the quality of your memory. Um, but uh, second, second point is, does he need to evolve quickly then? As it sounds like he is kind of doing that as they continue into this, what appears to be resigning themselves to a much deeper rebuild. Evolve in terms of his media. Well, okay. How about maybe I'll, let me rephrase that. It's you're saying he's being a little bit more. He's he's changed it a little bit in in light of his current situation. My my question is is do you think his general interaction and and um, approach to the media is going to affect the way people write and cover the team through a potential really bad rebuild slash losing season slash criticism. How you treat people does affect how you get covered. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I don't know. Look, so an example that comes to mind for me, and it's most of my career is covering Tom Izzo, and everybody who's covered him for any duration will say, you know, like that guy, because of how he is, which is like, I'll, I'll, you call me at midnight, we'll talk for an hour, you know, come in my office. You're a student paper from Montana? Sure. Like he, he buys himself leeway, right? Like there's this, which I, I buy, I, I think there is something to that, but at the same time, I mean, when things go bad, 
it's not like it's not like that altered the coverage significantly and it shouldn't have and it shouldn't so i don't know i i don't think like i said i've detected that Vrabel understands i guess that you can't like if you're going to keep reacting with the results like that at some point it's going to get unbearable right probably for you too but i don't know that like he has to think about that in terms of strategy you know to get him through this it's he's listen honestly i really don't have any issues with with how he is i mean he's the thing is is that i i've always thought that like he's at least he won't say much and he can be a jerk but i don't feel like he's up there lying left and right you know and i think he's got I, I think how he looks at it, I understand it at least. So I don't know. I don't think it's like if he he needs to change totally to 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 help himself through this thing. He needs to pick good players and win. <laughs> we we can say whatever the hell we want, right? I mean, but I think overall, like his relationship with media, even like Kaharski. I mean, he gets mad at Kaharski all the time, right? And they have this back and forth. But I think there's a mutual respect there. And I think it's totally fine. So it's, I get how people look at it sometimes. And it's like, Oh my God, especially when they lose fans are like, yo, get him. He's so disrespectful. When of course, when they're winning, they're like, yeah, get him. you know, but I just, I don't think he's going to change much. And I don't think it matters much. He's got to perform. You think that, do you think that the front office this year has, has been better or worse kind of covering them and kind of talking to them than they were under Robinson. Well, it's basically non-existent, you know? And right. so, and look, it's Rand Carthon's first year. So now look, and I'm saying this having, they granted me like access to him for like Ohio state's pro day and everything. So, I mean, I need to, you know, full disclosure here. Um, he was great. We talked it through and everything. And I observed, you know, what they were doing that day and kind of wrote about, I don't even remember what the hell I wrote about, but whatever. I went to Ohio State's pro day. I got access to him. He was fine. But more quality like, memory evidence. <laughs> I know. It's a really it was a really stirring piece, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but um I I do think that as he goes along here and it's year one, I'm sure it's drinking from a fire hose and all that stuff. Yeah, I think you've got to be you've got to be available. Like when all the stuff went down with Bayard you've got to be available somewhere in there. You know, you got to be available somewhere in there. You got to be available more often if you're him. Um, and, and honestly, when he's not available, when Vrabel answers all the questions and it basically answers the GM questions too. I mean, I guess maybe if things are going poorly, you're Carthon, you're like, yeah, it's his fault. But you know, I mean, like that feeds the perception that it's, it's almost a figurehead situation. I don't buy that. It's a figurehead situation. I mean, he's, he's the GM, just like, just like John Lynch is the GM in San Fran. I mean, it's a huge part of the job and he does all the legwork and, and I, I don't actually think that Vrabel is like, I'm making all the picks. I really don't believe that, but Carthon needs to be more available to us. And look, I, I can just say from my own personal experience with John Robinson, I appreciate a couple things about John Robinson. One, John Robinson was not a go to a chef or go to a Rappaport guy and give them information, you know, which I appreciate. And he was always responsive. He was always responsive and he may not have said much, but he was responsive to reporters. Well, I mean, again, I can speak for myself, but I, I think I can speak for 
you know, the, the crew of people who cover them on a regular basis that he, I, I, those two things I think are, are very appreciated in a GM. Now the, the chef to Rappaport thing that made him an outlier and it's just going to be right. I mean, that, that, that was, well, that, and that, it was well, noticeable. Yeah. It, it was noticeable when Carthon came in that, that, that picked up. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah that's well, basically, it's, it's, Ian it's one of the, it's one of the two for most GMs. And yes, it appears to be Rappaport. Yeah. And Diana Rossini's sources, Mike Vrabel. This is not that complicated. Um, what's, what's interesting about Mike Vrabel going back to his, like, I, I think people kind of overreact. Cause it's also like, he's not one of these college dictators who's like covering up a giant scandal. He, like he's a pretty decent guy. Like he's not, he, he may be, a, he may be those things that you're talking about a little aloof or a little argumentative or maybe, you know, kind of a stiff upper lip or whatever. But like, we, we, we kind of know that this is not like Hugh freeze, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where he's just yeah. like, he's just out there covering shit up and lying about this and lying about like, I, I think there's a difference there between covering those college football coaches who are, Sometimes it appears that they are actually covering up state secrets, whereas Mike Vrabel is like most of his priorities are there to, like you said, protect a player or, hey, I don't have to tell you all this stuff, so I'm not going to. Right. He's not a sleazebag. Right. And and, right. and honestly, that's like when someone new, like when I'm covering someone new and he came in, I mean, I, like I had no idea. I mean, he seemed like a total dick to me from afar, you know? But what does that mean? I mean, I don't think Vrabel loves media. Like, if you, no. you go back and talk to some people who covered him, like, especially as a player at Ohio State, it's actually amazing. I, I, I wish I could have seen some of these interactions. It's like stuff you don't ever hear about from a college football player. And he, he doesn't like media much. But that was one of the things when he came in. That's one of the things that I'm big on is, like, asking around and just people, you know, people who are you're not, you're not writing anything, but you're just like, you know, Tell me, what do you think about, and, and inside the organization too, when he got in after a while, some people I had come to know pretty well in the organization, I trusted to tell me stuff. And, and frankly, like I got a better view personally of Vrabel from those conversations than from anything I saw. And that's why it's like important if you cover any kind of team, like that's why you have to have people like that. You talk to that you trust that is, it's not going to become a story. It's not going to become a tweet. But it is important to me. Like, what kind of human being are we yeah. covering here? And honestly, I feel I feel pretty good about Vrabel, the human being. If Vrabel, the actual personality that is out there every day on the practice field, that is fucking hilarious, would ever show up at the press conference, it'd be it'd be. I mean, he'd blow Dan Campbell off the map, but he won't do it because I mean, he is <laughs> actually hilarious. But he just, you know, he gets there and uh, he could he probably scream about this and argue against it, but. It is. It is somewhat emulating Belichick, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whether he likes it or not. I, I mean, I, I'm really interested from somebody who's spent more time with this team than most. I, in in the past year, they've been pushing for the stadium, uh, and they have. I, I'm I'm wondering from the football side of things, did they block all of that out, or was there any perception about the team and the public from from the from the stuff that was going on with the stadium because you you could see it, it there was actual polling which came out which said which said that the 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 stadium plan itself was sort of was was underwater and like only 40% of people kind of really, really wanted this thing and then you know from that you know people were 
people have i wouldn't say they've taken it out against the titans but they but they there's certainly been a, a much more negative view of the team than than there maybe there has been in a while it, did they, have you seen any of that on the football side have they acknowledged it at all no um that's really interesting steve no I, they haven't they i think certainly intentionally and and understandably there's a very strong separation there but that's really interesting what you just said. So, so just so I'm clear, so you think basically general Titans fandom, because of that, you think that there's a, a little bit different view of the I, franchise? I think, that, I, I think there's a little more resentment towards towards the franchise right now than there has been. Um, with, with a and, fan base and, that yeah, doesn't show up all the time anyway. Right. And, and, and so, and, and you saw this, you see this in like some social chatter and you see this in kind of some other places, people going, Oh great, you know, this team that's three and six, we're gonna spend two point one right. billion dollars. We're gonna spend seven hundred million dollars of, of public money on on this. Uh nice and, correction and there, by the way, Steve. I like that. <laughs> well, I mean the, the whole project's two point one billion, but no, no, you're right. right. Uh like but but I mean it, it's I'm 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 fascinated because they, they can't be I mean, like you can't have escaped that chatter about the stadium in the last year. I mean, if you lived in Nashville, you probably had some opinion about whether or not the city and state should be doing this. And and these guys live here that, you know, and they're certainly materially affected by it. Not that, you know, not that you would say a large part of the roster is going to be on there, you know, three or four years from now when 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 they're uh, when, when, the, when they actually build the thing, just because any any NFL team is going to change over a roster significantly. But. I'm 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 just interested if it, if any of that kind of bled bled through at all, or if anybody even acknowledged that it was going on. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, you know, Vrabel. I mean, Vrabel talked here and there about it, but tried to be get in and out and just very excited. But I, I you, you're for sure like when you have performance like this. One thing I've heard from a lot of people is is like the idea of are the Titans trying to time it out. You know, for the opening of the new stadium to have, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's the NFL. Like you just, you're trying to like try to win now and who knows what the hell happens next year, but I get the idea, but definitely the idea of, oh, what are these PSL prices going to be for this product? Yeah. Like it's not great to have the product start to decline like this at the same time as that, but they got it through. So I guess people can say whatever right. they want now, but I, but I hear, I definitely hear what you're saying. I mean. I, I think yeah, you touched on. I think thoughts. you touched, Joe. I think you hit on the story that's going to do much more damage and become a much larger conversation than like a, a complicated sort of Metro Council general obligation bonds versus revenue tax recapture, which is a very complicated issue. I think it is going to bleed into football hardcore when a fan can call your show and say, "My ten thousand dollar PSL is now a hundred thousand dollars." I think yeah. the PSL price issue that is going to come along with this new stadium is absolutely going to be a huge problem for the fans, especially the small collection of blue-collar people that have been supporting this team from the beginning are the ones that are going to get priced out. And I think that is the topic and the story and the conversation that when that new stadium comes around, as, as we get closer and closer and those numbers start to get more concrete, I, I'm, I'm curious how decision-making with Rand Carthon uh, how Mike Vrabel presents his product. Should they all be still be around? How What decisions Amy Adams Strunk makes? I'm curious how loud that conversation gets and how that affects decision-making and communication. Well, first of all, I think I think that 
I think all great points. I think I think football people in these situations better be separated from it. And and Amy Adams Strunk better allow them to be right because I, I think you're asking for trouble if you if that's even part of your. It can't be. Right? I mean, it's it's such a year to year league. But I agree with you. You know, having covered this at the college level, it's different because you know when seat licenses started coming into college football, it's like really hard about twenty years ago. Right. There, there may have been a little bit of that in the late nineties, but especially the early mid two thousands, it became, everyone did it. Just that's the new revenue stream that ever you better jump on or you're going to be left behind. And one, one thing a lot of places did is those long-term fan. It's like even like a sliding scale, right. Of your time serve, so to speak, your time is a, and the price goes down. And, and the, the problem with the Titans, of course, it's not that long of a period of time, you know, compared, I mean, you know, the college programs back then could go back 80 years. Or, or 60, certainly, right? In a family, 40, 50, 60 years. So, but I, I absolutely think that should be, that should be considered uh, the longevity and the loyalty. Because, I mean, how big of a group of people are we really talking about anyway? You know, I don't think it's a huge, I don't think it's a huge number. And I think that talk about a PR, you know, either or for the Titans, I think that's, a really that's a great point it's a great it's a really important story and i think it's something they really need to consider i'm not optimistic because that's not how the nfl does things the nfl just said yeah we're the best screw you take it or leave it someone will take them stillman has been on the show before and he said he thinks of everything in his life through 20 hours and how many hours this week are going to be on that so i'm willing to bet you that you are going to be on the air and i guess yours is 15 hours now right um yes yours is uh, there, there could be a couple of weeks there man especially in the summertime when people are starting to re-up tickets. 2026, again, who knows where we're all going to be. <laughs> but but just hypothetically, the morning show of the market, it is going to take over conversations. It, there are going to be chunks of of time where it's going to take over. So I, I don't know how... I embrace some, it. So, uh, you, yes, it's good for content creators. It's better than Mount Rushmore of the Vols. <laughs> <laughs> hang on joe we'll ask you that in a minute hang on yeah. go, to, go to jaspers um uh, one more here on the titans. One, one more here on the titans uh for you and i'm and, and you can kind of spin this outward into a new gm for the predators a new head coach for the predators you can you could spin this out to um you know uh, jerry stackhouse if you want you can spin this out however you'd like but you kind of alluded to it already and i'm curious it's one of the few things you don't really write about which is trying to figure out interpersonal dynamics uh, and, and like things that happen behind the, the doors, but, the, but it's more about relationships. It's not about a schematic decision or a personnel decision. It's about how does Rand Carthon work with his staff or how does Mike Vrabel treat his players or how does Jerry Stackhouse interact with recruits or, you know, whatever it might be. How, how can you go about determining those things? Is it all the off the record stuff that you're talking about? And that's the only way to do it. I mean, outside of like a coach who covers up like a giant scandal where we know he's like a piece of trash. How do you go about truly discerning who these guys are? Hmm, that's a great question. I, I mean, it's, well, first of all, I think if you're on a beat, then it's easier because if you're on a beat, then you should be talking to a whole bunch of people. And like, I, th I think anybody who's on a beat for any amount of time, like there's some people that you get to organically you grow relationships with and you trust them. And you know, it's like, this is not going to be the PR spin bullshit coming my way, you know, but that takes time too. And, um, it's, it's, 
it's different, obviously, if you're, if you're, I mean, if I would just put myself in my own shoes here, you know, different teams. I mean, some, the timelines on those things are different. And then sometimes people change over, right. Regime change and all that. But I think it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about Vrabel. And I think the best way is, do you talk to people that you trust that are, are not, do, do not have any fear that you're going, that what they say to you is going to be public. And it's just, just talking, you know, I mean, that's, and now yeah, that can be, I mean, that can be people, all, all, a college or a pro sports organization can be all up and down the organization. I mean, if you're going to report something and source something, you know, it's like this, this, I'm going off on a tangent, but like this latest thing with the Boston globe with like Robert Kraft and um, you know, the, the coveting variable, the possible, like I said, this on our show, it's like, I mean, look, if, if you want to get down to it, without ever saying who any of my sources are, I would never ask another reporter who your sources are. I mean, it, you, know, you have to, if you don't protect sources you won't have any, but like the Boston globe as a like, speculatively from afar, that better be craft, eh, you know, craft son. Otherwise, like, I don't expect the Boston globe to expect you to write that. Right. So, so that's when you're reporting things and you come with something and you have news or you're just trying to confirm something that's been broken somewhere else. Like, those those have to be the people you talk to but to get what you're talking about that's why you and again like i think different people do it different ways i'm not a big like pressure pressure in your face all the time person but like just kind of keep up with people and talk to people and kind of and eventually it's amazing the information you'll get that sometimes will lead to reporting of stories will sometimes lead you to that but will definitely i think give you a good sense for that um do you, Am I, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I know Steve has a lot of other questions to go a different direction here, but I, I'm just curious because I, I, like radio is so different in that world than in print. Like it, radio, your job is to sort of paint the picture broadly sometimes about things that are going on, decisions that are being made, et cetera, whatever it might be. And you you use a lot of those conversations to sort of shade your opinion about what you're talking about. But a lot of times you're not using specifics. A lot of times you're sort of talking in generalities because you did pick up a nugget being around two people or or what are you, you're not reporting like player Y and players B got into a giant argument in the locker. That's not what you're saying. But like you use all that stuff to try to paint the picture to your audience about what's going on. And yes. sometimes it's extremely vague, nebulous, interpersonal relationship stuff. And I find it incredibly difficult to to figure that stuff out sometimes because there's the Boise State coach just got fired because apparently nobody liked him. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, like, I think if you're like, yeah, and, and it is different, but like, if you're, if you're writing, whether it's beat writer comments or whatever, like to write with authority, you have to have that. You can't, like, if you think you're just going to write with authority and really write with authority off press conferences and going to games, like, you're not, you're not writing with authority, you know, even, even just being in a locker room. I mean, even being a locker room observing guys and just having some conversations that aren't interviews too, like it all adds up together and it helps write with authority. So again, for me, like if you're on a beat and you do it how you should do it, then you should, you should be able to do that. But yeah, I think like it doesn't have to be source said this source said that was, I think that's so overused. You know? And I think young journalists, again, I'm going on a tangent and I apologize, but like guys i understand like the newsbreaker now has become the coveted job in in sports journalism but like 
we don't have to have source said, you know, uh, like he was not on the ice at practice. Like you could just say he wasn't on the ice at practice. I, I, I'm just like, I just see so much of that, you know, from young journalists, not to mention like your source can't be a shitty source. You know, <laughs> I mean, like don't do it if your source sucks. Uh, but anyway, I don't even, I'm, I'm just taking your question and just going all over the place. That's me. the point of the show, man. Go that, to Jasper, go to Jasper's, go yeah. to Jasper's. <laughs> That's right. Jillian's Jasper's Jasper's. Um, damn it. So <laughs> you have, you have one of sort of the most unique spots, uh, in in Nashville sports and Nashville journalism in that you are three hours a day on the radio in the morning talking about Nashville sports. And then your portfolio for the athletic is, is you're doing, you do more Titan stuff kind of during the, during the NFL season, but, but you cover a lot of Nashville stuff. I'm interested from you. What do you think are the most interesting non-Titans sort of stories to be watching and like what like what should what is going to be interesting for sports fans here over the next six months to six to 12 months well i I mean my first thing is mlb wherever that may go if it goes like in that short period of time probably not but i still think i think it's worth watching because something could happen at some point right I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. nah, somebody trips not. over a couple of billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, or yeah. Kicks a billionaire in the butt. Says, come on. You know? I, I find uh, it. tell. I find it telling. And as I was thinking through Steve's question, I find it telling that the first thing you said is a largely not real story about Major League Baseball coming <laughs> to Nashville. <right>. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a fantasy story that may be eight years away. Well, uh, but like, but like Joe, uh, how many other interesting sports things? are happening right now outside of well, Casey Alexander. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's great by the way. Uh, I, well, that's the thing. I mean, to me, and this just goes to kind of personal preference too. Like, honestly, if, if I could right now, especially right now, if I could sign up and tell the athletic people, Hey, I am a Vols. In fact, it Vols men's and women's basketball beat writer from now to the end of March. I'd do it. I'd, I'd make the drive like every game. And, and by the way, by signing up now, that means I get to go to Maui next week. Or well, it's not a Lulu, but yeah. strategic. strategic, exactly. But that's, I mean, I do think at least I think basketball season is good, and baseball. We've got baseball coming, college baseball. Um, so those are the those are the you know in the arena of play. I think Tennessee can win a national championship, and I totally understand. Eighty percent of Vols fans roll their eyes and say Rick Barnes, but I'm just. I believe it. And, and, you know, one of these years, he's at least going to get to the final four. Um, it, can, quickly, before you move on from that, is this his, uh, is the, is the transfer from, uh, what is it? Northern Colorado. Is he the best player Rick Barnes has ever had at Tennessee? Um, that's a good question. I think he's going to be a first round pick. Grant Williams was too. So, so Ke- it would be on Johnson was first round pick too. I yeah. Believe. But so, so that's, that's a potential athleticism first round pick. Right. But he, I mean, sure, he was, sure. he, it's just like Julian Phillips, both those guys. So basically that's what Dalton connect replaces those guys and gives you like a more experienced guy. Who's a polished scorer who has an all around game. Who's ready to go to the NBA. Right. And that's the difference. 
those guys have potential and they, and they would have a huge game and all that stuff. But th- this guy is like, I'll take over the game at the end of the game. So I think by the end of this year, that's a great question because I think Dalton Connect and Grant Williams will be compared against each other. And there's some you know different players, but there are some similarities where when they really needed something, they, they throw it to Grant Williams on the block and he's going to draw a double team and kick out for an open shooter or he's going to get to the line or whatever. And this guy has totally changed the math for them because now Josiah James and Santiago Vesco, they can just, you know, they can post up or they, or they can spot up and they can play D and be good guys, but they they don't have to try to carry those moments, which they obviously they haven't been up to that in recent years. So, so your answer is t- Tennessee, <clears throat> excuse me, men's and women's basketball. Uh, by the way, I did not realize that I, I didn't even know that Josiah Jordan James was still on the team. Like I just Isn't that amazing. Like, I can't believe this. Um, He's two years younger than you. What's it? You know what? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, you know what? I didn't hear in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I've been hearing that answer uh, yeah. from someone who works yep. for the yep. flagship yep. station uh, is the Nashville Predators. Do you think they're Do you think they're unwatchable this year? I wouldn't say unwatchable because they have a great goalie who's not playing well. They have a great couple of players in Yossi and Forsberg, and another really fun player to watch to me and Ryan O'Reilly. I've always liked him a lot, and they have young players who. That's the point is trying to get Luke Evangelista to another level of play and seeing if Cody glass can really be a top six center. And so I don't, I don't think unwatchable. I mean, if they're going to, if this is going to be the rate they win at, then that, then there will be plenty of seats in there. Mm-hmm. And before long, the story of the national predators will be trying to get, uh, it's Celebrini, right? That's, that's the, uh, nowhere near the uh, Connor Bedard as a number one overall pick, but yeah. It'd be the Still. most it'd be the most Preds thing ever to get the number one overall pick and get like another David Leguan. Um <laughs> what's what's fascinating to me is as you're saying this, because I I want to ask you about women's basketball. So just make sure I ask ask you about that. Um the Preds and the Titans are finding themselves very quickly in the same place. Now, the structures of the sport are different. The way you rebuild in hockey is different than the way you rebuild in the NFL. But what we are getting to as content creators around those two teams is like, you're almost running out of on field on ice stories because we kind of know what they're going to be and what you're really focused on. And this is what like every jets beat writer has to do for the last like 50 years, which is like sell hope and the future to people. But there is, I find something very freeing as a fan to not have expectations, but it's harder as a, as a writer and, and, and content guy to be like, all right, every week we're just going to figure out how much better Will Levis is. Or every single week we're going to find out which Predators prospect could be a starting winger next year. Like, isn't that all you're doing at this point for both these franchises, just trying to answer questions for the future? And yeah. how long can you do that? Yeah, well, listen, this, the sad reality for the NFL also is, I mean, wait all this time for a season and you get, well, 17 now. You get 17 Sundays to watch your team play. And if it's not gangbusters, I, I mean, people asking about the draft four weeks into the season. The, the, the NFL offseason, and if you and honestly, if you want to talk about what drives numbers and things like that, it's incredible. Mock I mean, again, just do a mock draft anytime. If you want numbers, do a mock draft. The 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 buying of hope is so much stronger than, you know, except for a handful of teams every year. So uh, it, which is to me is it's demoralizing because I mean, look, at least with the Titans, 
there is Will Levis, right? Like, what if they hadn't gone to Levis yet? It just, it's just, and, and to talk about this, you know, from my perspective, like I'm not at, at this point, I'm not planning to go to any more Titans road games. I mean, it's just not, you know, it's not worth the cost for the, like people don't really care about game coverage right now, you know? And that's just, and I know some people will say, well, screw you. Uh, I subscribe to the athletic, you know, and, and I get that, but like, I'm sorry, like you have to make choices if you're in my position, you have different teams that you're covering. And it's just the, the interest is not there. Now the Preds, um, that's a tougher deal, I think, because you've got these young guys and they're up there with the team, but you know, it, like you can't have, like, as you said, they're very different rebuilds, Braden, and it's just, it's going to take time. And, you know, in the NFL, like they can go out, have a great draft, have a great free agency, have Levis be good. And it could be, I mean, they could win 10 games next year. Why couldn't they? Right. Maybe just like the Titans from 2015 to 2016. But I mean, the Preds are going to be a few years here. I, I don't see any way around that. They're going to have a big off season. And so again, there, there's a lot of that to sell that people want to, who, who is Barry Trotz going to go out and sign, but I still look at these young guys and I don't know how good any of them are going to be. I don't see it happening real soon where it's like, Oh, you, that guy's got to be in your top six. So I do. I think pretty soon here, we're going to see a difference. Now, if the Titans keep making bad choices and, in their off seasons, like they did last off season, then I guess they'll both be in the same boat. And like I said, we got a lot of good basketball teams around here, folks. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of good hoops, a lot of good hoops. So I, can I ask about the women's basketball then? Cause I, I, I advertisers are now earmarking tons of money to ma- major companies across this, this country specifically for women's sports. Like, Hey, I'm going to give ESPN a million dollars in advertising revenue, but it's gotta be on women's sports. Um, have you seen whether it's radio, whether it's print, the athletic, whatever? Uh, women's basketball certainly is a big deal in the SEC, certainly with inside the state of Tennessee. But coming off record ratings last year, could you see yourself writing more about women's basketball in the SEC and the stories that are actually related to the on pro- on I guess court product here versus like I'm just going to use Preds or Vanderbilt men's basketball or anything else that could crop up into your conversation or your wheelhouse. I, I mean, w- w- isn't this a rocket ship here into an untapped market that, that nobody's really fully um, cultivated? Yeah, no, I absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I love, I love basketball, you know, first. And so like, I've always, I think I've written a fair amount about Tennessee in particular, but even like, when, you know, since I've been here, it's been really bad for Vanderbilt women's basketball. And I, I well, I think both of those programs, like they, they should be better. And, you know, I do like Shea Ralph. I think that I, I think the recruiting is going well, maybe not quite as well. They had some, they had some chances at some really big recruits and they haven't been able to, to hit on the really big ones yet, but I think that's coming. And I think Kelly Harbor's right there. So yeah, to answer your question about the sport at large, absolutely. Now, you know, the star power in particular in this recent era has, has accelerated it. Right. I don't know. Can you count on that all the time? Like, I mean, like, first of all, if I'm Caitlin Clark, I like, you know, I'm never leaving college if I can't, she's, I mean, she's making way more money than she will make once she leaves college. Right. I mean, I, and- I did find it fascinating that there was a Caitlin Clark headline on the front page of ESPN the other day. And 
it gives you an idea of kind of like what her star power is right now because yes. everybody everybody wants everybody wants to to watch her and that and that and that Iowa program right now. Right. And and the thing is, she's amazing. And and obviously Angel Reese is a great player and she totally capitalized it, but it's going to get better. I mean, it's just like we're going to have more players like this. And now that there's this visibility, I do think it's a rocket ship, you know? And and you look, you need like I, I would get in an argument with friends of mine, in particular friends who like more like covered women's basketball about the, the Yukon stretch. You know, it's like it's not great for the sport. I just believe it. It's not great for the sport if we know the outcome. And it's, I mean, I don't think it's good for college football in a given year if, yeah, that Alabama team is just going to wax everyone, right? And so we went through a stretch where it was just like, what's the point? And then all of a sudden, Notre Dame does what they did in that Final Four, and Mississippi State does what they did. And I, I think that was huge for the game. So but, I, but, I, it's not a knock did, on the sport. Why did it happen, though? I think it happened because of UConn's dominance. I think I think it happened. Like I think my argument back to you on that is you and and I would argue, you know, um Pat Summit before that. The reason UConn became UConn was because of Tennessee basketball. And I think yeah. it, I think it builds on itself and then all of a sudden you've got South Carolina and Iowa and LSU and Notre Dame and that is the answer to Gino Ariema and those dominant UConn teams. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean it, like dynasties are good to a point. You just don't want a pre, you know, a preordained outcome, right? And that that's what we kind of had for a few years. But no, you're right. As soon as you beat them, now everybody takes notice. And I think uh I think with that sport, I think you're gonna see it's just the talent level and the investment, all of it is such that it has been to an extent that I think we're just gonna have more and more great players out there and, and different programs that rise and fall. Um so and you know, again for me in this state. Tennessee has a, has every advantage, has as good a fan base as there is in the sport, and yeah, they need to make a Final Four at some point. You know, you're never going to have it like it was with Pat Summit, but you, you've got a you've got a you know, there's no reason that that program should go as long as it has without getting to the Final Four. All right, let me ask you this: In April, Titans are terrible this year. Predators are terrible this year. Lady Vols get bounced in the first round. Which coach gets the most? Which who who calls your show more upset about their coach on the hot seat? Okay, so okay, Fred's terrible. Just everybody's you bad. I'm everybody's <laughs> bad. Which coach? Well, is Kelly Harper getting more attention to our to our conversation more about the media coverage right. and the interest level? Is Kelly Harper going to get more? To, and I'm not suggesting any of these teams are going to be bad or whatever. Like that's not my my point. I'm just saying hypothetically. Is is there going to be as much coverage of Kelly Harper's hot seat per se as there? And I'm not forget the NFL for a second. Okay, I was going to say it's it's, it's variable. Forget the NFL. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. But let's say Vanderbilt basketball is not great, and that there's no question people are going to have conversations about the future of that. I mean, you know, Clark Lee, maybe you can throw him into this conversation. I don't think he's going anywhere. I'm just saying, will there be as much interest in Kelly Harper's job security hot seat future of the program conversation? Are we there yet, or is, is this still a couple of years away from women's basketball reaching that level of, of talk radio, let's say? You know you know what's interesting about that is when I got here, and I remember I went over there, I think my first year here, so this is like 16, 17, I feel like there was already intense Tennessee fan anger about Holly Warlick. Yep. So so I've seen that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I. but here's another thing that happens, though. I think there has been some apathy 
in that fan base, maybe, I don't know, maybe the Tennessee fans who got wrapped up in that are now more wrapped up in baseball. I know, obviously, if you love Tennessee, you can love all the teams, right? But I thought that was, like, I was struck by, like, my goodness, these people are mad, right? I mean, you're when early on, you're struck by Vol Twitter anyway, or any Vols <laughs> fans you interact with. Holy not, crap, not right? physic, Not physically, mentally. Wow. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> physically. <laughs> not often, yeah. Depends. <laughs> Glancing blow. I, I think it's age, I think that group has aged, actually, what I think it is. I, maybe apathy is the right word, but I, I know a ton of people in my in-law circle and that that are were diehard vol lady vols fans in the 90s and they're just they've just aged into a different bracket now not not trying to not trying to call out anybody in my family but, <laughs> but like it's just i think it's a i think to your point the younger crowd and okay maybe this is a like vanderbilt baseball doesn't draw ratings but they're the best program maybe in the country over the last 10 or 15 years i i would guess that lady vols basketball probably still would draw higher ratings be more interesting on radio do better in terms of web traffic than Tim Corbin winning a national championship or whatever. Uh, yeah, see, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think basically when you have a program that does extraordinary things, cause I, I mean, I'll speak from being at the Tennessean when Vanderbilt won it in 2019, I mean, write every word you can about that and it will go nuts. So, you know, I mean, like it, and and, then, and obviously we're talking about a, a smaller fan base. We're talking about we it's not a huge public university, but does, I mean, it, every we couldn't get enough stuff on the internet fast enough about Vanderbilt baseball to run. Preds in 2017, writing a day column, you know, like a, a morning skate column, and then one off the game, like, two on game days, and one basically every day. Throw as much as you can. It, it's going absolutely bonkers. So, and just in terms of that, I, I do. Yeah. And that's obviously speaking to just situationally, when you have a team that catches fire, it, it sweeps people up, right? In, well, any okay, way late, can, in any way you can measure it. Lady Vols are in the final four Vanderbilt baseball or, or let's say Tennessee baseball is in the college world series. Which one's getting more clicks? I bet you, yeah, it's that's women, a, I bet you it's women's basketball. That's a great question. That's a really good question. I don't have a strong, like, I don't have a strong feel. I think it's very close. I think it's okay. very close. Okay. Um, but, you know, but to your point about the sport, it, I'd probably pick women's basketball because there there is a growing general fandom with that sport. And, and baseball has a good, you know, a good following too. But I think women's basketball is, like you said, it is I mean, for too long. It's been neglected. I mean, yep. people have left money on the table here. And they are realizing that now. So I think the general uh, interest in that sport would would make that the answer. Joe, let me ask you uh, about the athletic for a second. Uh, other than you know being bought by the New York Times, uh, how have things sort of changed at the athletic in your tenure there? And what do you think that what do you think the athletics kind of focus and kind of what is your kind of push to to do at the athletic as opposed to as opposed to when you came over yeah it's changed a lot certainly um when i when i came over it was the idea of the city i think we've talked about this but like the, you know the city um sites right and and it's like going to be like a city sports section and i was brought in to be the columnist as which is what i was at the tennessee and their beat writers the other teams and the beat writers are gone now for different reasons so you know I, I would say 
like there's still, we still cover things locally a lot, but it's like my job. I'm not the only person sort of with a job like mine, which is kind of like a little bit more of a regional job. And obviously we have people who cover sports at large, right? When we have, we have our college football and NFL and MLB, we still cover, and I don't have the numbers like right in front of me, but like we still cover most of the NFL teams as beats with a beat writer. Um, most of the NHL teams. And then, you know, it's, it's become more selective with college beats and things like that. MLB too. So, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I think that this is kind of what we're going to be. I mean, there's going to be some tweaks, but I don't think this is going to turn into no local coverage and just national coverage. I mean, there's a lot of, but it's, you know, I think it's still also in the, pretty early stages of what New York times might want to do. They've basically, you know, let us like do our own thing, you know, I mean, they've bought the property, but for the most part, like we've, you know, the same people in charge have been, uh, we, we, uh, David Perpich came in, of course, and Stephen Ginsburg, but, but, you know, the main editors over the verticals and things like that have been the same. Um, so that's a long rambling word salad answer to tell you, I have no idea what's going to happen, uh, you know, <laughs> at my me media company or any others, but, um, I think it'll look like this. And for me, you know, like I came over as a columnist and I still write columns and I love writing columns. I love writing opinion, but I mean, I look at myself a little bit more like a takeout writer now. And that's kind of, and again, like in a year like this, as I told you guys, you know, the Titans, I mean, it's just people just aren't that interested in reading about their games, you know? I mean, I'm going to go to like the Panthers Titans game and we do like takeaways and I may just write takeaways and not write a comp, you know, I, which is fine. I love that freedom that the athletic gives you, but I'm a little bit more of the mindset of just find a great story and try to tell it than whereas when I was a columnist, even early at the athletic and the Tennessee, it's smart. You know, your job is like, basically you're doing four columns a week and then, yep. you know, work on a takeout. Try if you like, whatever I, at the Tennessee, you know, write a big Trent Dilfer story, the, the beloved Trent Dilfer, uh, you know, at the <laughs> Tennessee uh, or whatever, you know, I'm just thinking of something I did in my latter you know, time. Got a lot of Tennessee. material these days. <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> my goodness that that did that escalate quickly but um I, I, totally unpredictable by the way completely <laughs> unpredictable <laughs> but yeah so i think of myself more as a takeout writer now long story short i could have i could have said that and, and not wasted like two and a half minutes of your time well god <laughs> stephen godfrey's on the show last week and he he mentioned sort of mid-2000s mid-2000s i guess is the right phrase where like sort of the the digital landscape uh, very popular to find these sort of niche audiences with these very passionate communal crowds. And then sort of every one of these kind of websites had to pivot to clicks because that's the only way to stay alive. And, and sort of the, especially the big, the big companies. And I'm curious if that, cause that's, that's what's led in the audio space. That is what led to like sort of podcasts becoming a big thing or sort of digital medium and the way people watch YouTube now to watch their favorite shows there. I'm curious because we've had other uh, radio hosts on the show uh, that you may or may not work with that that say, like, you still have to focus on the biggest story at all times. And I think what you guys do in the morning show is sort of a bit of an evolution of the science of radio to some degree. You guys make it a little more conversational. You can go a little bit deeper into the weeds on things. 
It is not always just the biggest story of all time. Do, do you see that kind of trend continuing? Do you think it is unique to you and Robbie? Do you think it is unique to Nashville? Do you think, are you finding success with it? Is is that, a, is that an accurate observation? Well, I would say you're right. I mean, we, we, we will do some different stuff sometimes, but I, I'd say honestly, and I assume you're talking about Mr. Stillman here. I don't. I don't recall, Your Honor. My, <laughs> did you did you delete that from the internet? Did you take take, take that out of your archive? Yeah, <laughs> you scrubbed it. <laughs> Listen, I, there's not I many people you. in the market that defend Stillman as much as I do. So, yeah. Well, I like ripping him, but I I love Jared. I, I honestly, I'd say in some ways we emulate him more than other shows, either at our station or at others in terms of like our topics are. We've gone less guests. And probably we stick more football than than we did initially. I mean, look, if I had my way, we'd talk hoops all the time. And it, as we argue, kind of, you know, having fun with it on the air, we argue about it. You know, Robbie's always ripping me for wanting to talk about college basketball, but or the NBA too. But Robbie loves the NBA; he doesn't like college basketball. Anyway, I mean, we like in some ways we're kind of kind of following Jared's lead on like it's pretty Titans Vols football topical obviously different times of the year you know we'll get into whatever it may be and I finally in march i get some you know can we talk about it now is this okay you know like the tournament yeah <laughs> yes no um so i mean and and i'll say you know Braden. i mean look when it comes down to it that works and so like look i i mean i guess if like if if re, you know if results didn't matter, I'd love to probably have more varied guests and just talk about uh whatever talk talk with a sports documentary uh, maker or you know whatever different things like that like and some shows do that which I like but at the same time like people if you're if you're hammering topics that get people talking and in particular about the f- local football teams then more people will listen to you. I think I can safely say that at this point. So right. basically, so I'm, no, a, I'm a sellout. Brayden, I'm a sellout. That's no, basically. no, it's just I'm curious. There's no no evolution of, uh, you know, this is Jasper's is the next evolution of the sports bar. We have no evolution of sports radio content. <laughs> it's me devolving is actually the story. I think say the devolution of Joe Rexford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and by the way, Jillian's is a really cool place. It's not there anymore. No in downtown Indy. No, but it's in downtown Indy, and it's like a bowl. It was a bowling alley and like an arcade and like a bar. That's was it free parking? Why. Was there free parking? No, did not have a good parking situation. Fuck those guys, Jasper. Fuck those, fuck those guys. <laughs> Jasper's go to Jasper. Jillian's. Go to Jasper's. <laughs> Jasper's put Jillian's out of business. That's what happened. That's what I just heard on the pod. Um, all right, uh, Kevin. What else you got, man? <laughs> I got nothing. I got I got the devolution of uh, of Joe Retro. <laughs> can I can That's, I make uh, I've become a radio whore like Jared Stillman. Make that the headline. So this is coming out. We're taping this early in the week, but this is coming out Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Can I just can you just please tell me promise us one thing that whatever content you do over the hol- the Thanksgiving holiday that it will not involve asking questions and t- making topics about Thanksgiving. Will you, will you promise that? See, I I'm sorry. I I you know what? Fucking think... sell out. <laughs> Look, we do a thing. The choice is yours every week, and it's fun topics. If you do the like, I don't know who has it this week, but I expect to be able to tout 
my green bean casserole during the choice is yours. If if you do an off-topic segment, how could you not talk about Thanksgiving food during Thanksgiving week? I mean, what kind of a every are other, you? Because every other radio host in the history of the universe has done that, and it's not creative. But are wait, you listening you're to the all best, those shows? You're no. the best yeah. writer. You're the yeah, best. Right. You're you're possibly the greatest columnist in the history of Nashville sports. I expect more from you. Yeah, that, yeah, that's <laughs> all ridiculousness out of your mouth there. <laughs> uh, go to Jasper's, everybody. Sign up uh, for good journalism at The Athletic and, of course, the Nashville Banner as well. Steve, where can people find you? They can find me uh, at Scavendish on the socials. Braden, where can they find you? Uh, at Braden Gall on Twitter.com, because that's still the URL. Don't type in those X's. Uh, and, of course, at Blue Sky, Brad Braden Gall on Blue Sky as well. Joe, where can the great people find you? At Joe Rexroad on X. 12 years ago, I reluctantly joined Twitter. And maybe you guys are getting me into the uh, the blue sky. Maybe, maybe come it's on, time. Come it's like on old, down. I might have to come on. It's like over. an old cozy hoodie. Just slip it on and it's so much better than Elon Sewer. I'm telling you. Uh, Steve's got <laughs> me in. Steve's got me into it. I like it. I just need there to be more people there now. So we need some, we need some creative folks. Like yourself, Joe. That's like, are there good jokes about Harbaugh going on there? Because that's one thing that I like. It's just all Thanksgiving food takes. That's what it is. <laughs> well, then I'm damn well in. <laughs> and also candy corn with peanuts. We, Big we, winner. We need we, we need more good uh, good uh, sports Twitter imported over to Blue Sky. Yeah. So come yeah. on over. Yeah. Okay. All right. all right. Thank you guys all for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great holiday. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.